You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Happy Friday from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, February the 12th, 2021. It's time for your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your usual host, Craig Hemke, and with Eric still on the sidelines, we have a brand new guest coming in to help us this week as we uh, put the finishing touches on the second week of February. And our new guest is Chris Marcus. Many of you are familiar with Chris and his site, Arcadia Economics. Often, Chris is the interviewer, but he's turned himself into such a tremendous expert on silver that he's becoming a very uh, frequent interviewee, and thus he is with us today. So, Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Craig, thanks so much for having me. Really a pleasure to be here. Your show, and especially the calls with Eric, have the last several years been regular Friday listening incredible information you share on your site as well so honored to be here and help contribute to that well it's great to have you and hopefully eric will be back soon uh in the meantime one of the features that we have uh, every month here at sprout money is our ask the expert segment the next one will be recorded next week but you still have time to submit a question for the guest and that guest this month will be danielle DiMartino booth former official or at uh, the Dallas Federal Reserve Bank. And I guess we'll call her a Fed insider because she really is. If you've got questions about the Fed, central bank policy, inflation, or economics, send it to us at the word submissions. That's the word submissions at SprottMoney.com. We'll try to work it in when Danielle and I record next week. And be sure wherever you listen to our Sprott Money podcast, give us a like and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. All right, Chris, let's dive in. Uh, it has been a crazy couple of weeks, and you've been at the forefront uh, leading the charge. Uh, how would you assess the action over the last couple of weeks with greater retail involvement and uh, some real action in physical metal? Well, Craig, I think the best part is that, personally, this is the most encouraged I've been in the 12 years that I've been following this. And it's always been based on this manipulation. It's been based on a bluff. If you watch the big short, you hear how the banks, their play is that, you know, make you feel stupid for asking, hope that nobody ever looks. But when when people look, the clues are there. Sometimes it's just so unbelievable that this could actually be happening. But I think it's really encouraging because whatever happened and maybe a couple of years from now, it'll be fun to go back and research how all this short squeezing came down and then flared into the silver market. But whatever's happened in the last two weeks, the result is now you have this Wall Street silver group, which went from zero, which is separate from Wall Street bets. There's a specific Wall Street silver group that went from zero to I think they have like 25,000 members in a week and a half. And to me, it's been awesome because I've been, you know, getting a lot of questions. I know other people in the silver space have been saying, hey, here's what we have. And, you know, you guys have the energy, you have the time, go research it. And now now there's there's a lot of evidence being compiled. And in general, the the awareness of what's been going on. Then when you factor in what actually happened over the last two weeks, how you saw one of the more blatant felonies in that I've at least seen in my financial career, which includes 11 years on Wall Street and then another decade since then covering the things I saw on Wall Street and that we see playing out now. And again, 
I understand the severity of, of phrasing things the way that I did there, although I'll be, I'll be happy to explain exactly why. There's um, certainly a lot of unanswered questions that I hope the CFTC is looking at. Uh, I know they decided there's some concern with the Reddit traders. Well, <laughs> they, I, I have a lot of questions for concern about things that happen in the futures markets that have nothing to do with the Reddit traders, and we can dig into a lot of those because it seems like things are coming to a head at an accelerating rate now. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, it is uh, the CFTC, you know, they're, they're considered to be the keystone cops for a good reason. And for them now to say that it's the Reddit traders that are the problem, it, it's it's like uh, back on that Monday, uh, whatever that is, 11 days ago, uh, just because silver moved up $2.50, they had to come out and say that they were surveilling the market for manipulation and fraud. Um, but we've had five down days for $2.50 or more in the last five months, and that didn't seem to bother them in the least. But the impact has been substantial, Chris. I mean, driving all the folks into buying physical metal, wiping out dealer inventory. Uh, what have you seen and what have you reported on in terms of uh, I like short-term shortages and then the premiums that are involved? Well, I would say that the first week after that weekend where it became an event, the first week, that's the first time that I've ever consciously used the word panic buying. My, my, even I don't remember anything like that in 2011. I, you know, I was two years old in 1980. So that has calmed down from the dealers I've spoken with. It was pretty consistent last week from anyone I talked with around the globe, from the dealers I've talked with this week. It's been steady, not as frantic. And certainly we'll dig into the uh, the SLV editions, which all ties together where we start seeing there's some clues here because, all right, fine. Re retail, some people think, doesn't move the market. Keep in mind now this week, we're seeing dealers saying shortage delays on the wholesale level in the thousand ounce bar market, which is kind of like now we're now we're talking about the last line of defense. But, Craig, when you mentioned uh, the CFTC and at least some of the things that whether they look at or not, the best part is I think people can see these things now. We're people like you who have helped phrase it clearly and put it in perspective because for years there were people who were confused and scared and they could see the Fed was doing QE2. They could see the Fed was doing QE3. They could see the Fed was doing Operation Twist, calling it balance sheet neutral. Maybe they didn't see that. Fed was also doing swap lines to Europe, which kind of offsets one of those legs of the hedge. But they get the idea that a lot of money is being printed. They're concerned. Now they see these. Uh, I haven't watched the video yet, but I'm told 40 percent of the dollars in existence were printed in the last year. So they see this. They turn to gold and silver and they're wondering, gee, well, why there's more money? I mean, this it seems insane what I'm hearing. And. It comes back to, fortunately, that we don't have to guess on these things. Craig, I know you've heard the interview I did with Bart Chilton, which yep. I, I felt blessed to be a part of because it was all these things for years. We looked at the clues, but hey, here's the guy that was in the investigation. So, we, I mean, should we, is it worth mentioning that he says that the other investigators started blocking emails from people who were submitting evidence and that they said they found nothing? Right. Bart described how he found plenty. And even leaving all that aside, 
Eight years later, in 2020, J.P. Morgan settles for, in the CFTC's press release, committing hundreds of thousands of occasions of spoofing in gold and silver. And to be fair, they rigged the treasuries too. But so, Craig, it wasn't you know once or twice that might have been hard to find, or you know a couple times, a hundred times, or a couple thousand times. It wasn't even a hundred thousand times. They said hundreds, plural, of thousands of times. Now, it was interesting because one of the questions I asked Bart, again, I, my background is on an equity option, options trading floor. I was a market maker and a specialist on the New York Stock Exchange. So I was working directly in a trading floor. I was not trading COMEX futures. But anyway, I had some background when I started looking into this. And thanks to guys like you and Andrew McGuire, over the years, I said to Bart, my, the way I've come to understand it is, let's say silver's at $25 and three cents and you start nudging it a little bit, you know, you get a little farther down to $24.99. Then you have all the stop orders. Keep in mind, these banks claim to be working the customer debt orders, their customer desks. Although we found out in the confessions that they screw their customers too, <laughs> their traders words, not mine. But I asked Bart, is that how it works? That if you nudge it a little, <clears throat> then you trigger the stops, you trigger the algorithms and all that other stuff that Gee, if someone knew how all that was set up, like certainly the banks advertise that they do, could that drive the price of silver down 50 cents or a dollar in the middle of the night in five seconds? And Bart says, well, actually, that's a good description. Actually, it's a really good description. Right. And then he explains, he talks about spoofing for about three minutes and finishes by saying the only difference between what I asked and what he what what happens is that now when it happens, the moves are bigger. Again, I, I think I'm quoting word for word because I've said it enough times and I'll repeat it again because it's that important. I know in the metals community, some people say, well, you know, they find them for spoofing. That's not the biggest thing. I, I never heard of this spoofing when I was on the trading floor. I'm not saying people don't do it yet. If you, if you relax the semantics of the definition for a moment, he described exactly what we've seen, and he called it spoofing. So when we see the price drop for no reason, and then you look at the volume chart, and you see, well, that's weird. The thing fell off a cliff, and there's massive spike in volume. Again, as someone who worked for a pretty well-renowned or regarded trading shop that was quite well-known for their training program, we were specifically trained, you would never do that. In fact, right. if I had sold a massive order like we saw when gold fell from 1900 in the middle of the night, September of 2011, at the same time that the Swiss said they were going to peg their franc to the euro, seems like an odd time for someone to say, wow, I just got to get rid of this gold now. You wouldn't do that. I was trained not to do that. I would have been thrown out the door the same day. And here you see it. So I wonder when the CFTC is done asking about the Reddit traders' involvement, are they going to look into the sell report that J.P. Morgan issued? I see a, a timestamp of 4.59 a.m. February 2nd, which was a Tuesday. Keep in mind, that was after physical dealers had to stop sales Saturday night and into Sunday because mm -hmm. they had sold all their product. Some of them lost money because they had the thing was Friday. Before that weekend, Craig, as I know, fortunately, you reported. I haven't heard any of the J.P. Morgan or CNBC report that 34 million shares were added to SLV. 
which to put that in context, because I know, you know, you could say, well, that's one thirtieth of the annual supply. So at that pace, they'd eat the whole supply in 30 days and there'd be no electronics next year. But after I thought about it a little bit more, I went back, looked at the Silver Institute numbers. And if you look at last year, and I don't know, I don't know anyone who's making a case that industrial demand's coming down. And Craig, would you say, based on what you've seen and heard by the dealers, it's not looking likely that the retail demand of people who are buying coins and bars is going to be lower than last year. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah that's fair to say. So last year, Silver Institute says 962 was the supply. And industrial plus retail adds up to 931. <laughs> now, what is said to have gone into the ETPs, if you look at that report, exchange-traded products, which is SLV and the other funds, last year was 350 million ounces. So you could say on Friday, two weeks ago, the 29th, they took a tenth of what went in last year. But when you consider that 320 million of those ounces, that was a deficit. That got put on the credit card. So really, you could say that what was actually available last year for SLV and the trust was about 32 million ounces. And Friday the 29th, you had 34 million ounces added to SLV. Then you had panic buying in the retail market over the weekend. Monday, SLV reports adding another 20 million ounces. Now, these are records. You can look, Craig, you know you, know, you put the charts up and you've seen Nick Laird's gold charts are us. 35 million in a day that had never happened before right 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 and then the i rob keens of gold silver pros he's, he's been in austin lately where i've been staying for a while he comes he came over on tuesday about five minutes after i'd seen the number for february 2nd the day that jp morgan put out their sell report and it was 61 million ounces yep on the day that the price felt percent where we yep. see that typical heavy volume pattern fitting exactly what Bart describes. And here's the interesting thing. I, I, I know there's a lot of confusion. I don't have any interest in getting anything inaccurate or slandering anyone. So I called iShares last week because I'm Craig, you, you, you know, the, I have you on my show, David Morgan, you know, everyone in, uh, that I can find in silver and I'm trying to say, how is it possible they added 110 million? We're, like, it doesn't make sense. It's not. Nobody can figure it out. So I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe do they say they added it and they're working in order and that's competing for the supply. So I call iShares. Woman was really polite. She says, I, I confirm, if, if they say shares are added, what does that mean? She says, metals added or subtracted that day. Okay. Who I ask. Who, who does the, who adds or who puts it in or takes it out? Craig, would you, would you like to take a stab at this one? I'd love to hear what she said. She says the custodian and I say, oh, who's that? J.P. Morgan. <clears throat> yep. And I actually said, I tried, I was trying, she was very kind and nice. And I said, I'm trying to say this respectfully, but they did just get fined or settled, I'm told. Interesting. You know, they just paid $920 million, not a peep. No, no word, no word. Jamie Dimon's going to hang out apparently in the, with Joe Biden in the White House, but still no word on that. Leave their junior guys out to roast, but never say anything. So we'll leave that aside. I said, these guys have just been fine. I mean, is, is, does that seem like a, a, at least a cause for concern or a yeah. conflict of interest? 
And then I mentioned, well, I was looking on the website for the audit and I couldn't find it. Can you can you help me find that? And she says, I think there's something in the SEC's Edgar database. The audit of the actual inventory? I'm asking iShares for the audit of a trust that just added a number, an amount of metal that frankly, I can't figure out how it's possible and right. nobody else I know can either. And she's telling me that there might be an audit on the SEC's website. I said, please, can you check? I don't. I, I told her I have a show. People are asking me. Frankly, I'm concerned. Please, can you check? Because I mean, if let's say, uh, Craig, I, I go out and tell people I'm giving my best, honest information about silver. I don't claim to get everything right, but at least I'm putting my face to it. I put my name to it, and you can see me. You can, people can find me. I don't have any. But I'm like, frankly, you know. I, I don't know. Would it, I think I would think I would be financially liable if I knew that and didn't say anything. So I said, please, is there anyone you could? She says, can I put you on hold? I said, yeah, I have. I'll, I'll wait. I want to get this right. She comes back and sends me an inspection letter, not an audit, but an inspection letter that an audit was taking place. And Craig, you know when the last time anyone outside of J.P. Morgan has looked at anything in SLV? I can't even imagine. Would it make you feel comfortable if you were an SLV shareholder to find out the last day of the audit was March 6th of 2020 and the price started falling the day after and within a week and a half, it was under $12. Right. The audit is stamped March 20th. And that was what I'm like, March 20th. Wasn't that right before the EFP <laughs> yeah, thing, bro? That's right. When, yes. And I'm thinking, I'm remembering. And again, I'm not, I'm going to be careful how I phrase this. I just remember from Wall Street, when a company had bad news, they would tell you on Friday and hope you forget yeah, by Monday. Right. I'm like, wasn't that a Friday? Then I'm thinking, wait a second. You had the historic Sunday night announcement on March 15th where the Fed says we're going to quantitative easing. Then that week, you have the stamp of the audit that Friday. Monday, they go to unlimited quantitative easing and the EFP market breaks. No one has... Besides J.P. Morgan, has any idea what's in there? And then right. Ronan Manley points out this week, they're the, they're the custodian for the other trusts, too. Right. I mean, should we, what, what is the plan? To put on a fox mask and ask us to dress up like chickens? I mean, this is, with all due respect, is the, is the CFTC asking about this? Uh, is the Chris, CFTC pulled those trading records yet? Chris, they're due no respect. So you can, the whole all due respect part, you can drop off. Craig, I, actually, I have something I've never mentioned to anyone before. You, you, so you saw this where Bart Chilton, one of their former commissioners, who said this on record. Right before you know, he passed when, away. When the CFTC called me to ask about the conversation with Bart and, and the, the different things he had revealed, do, do you know what they, what they said when I, when I told them? No. It never happened. I've never been contacted. Gosh, people. You saw that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that listen to your show or listen to my show that saw that or heard you talk about it or felt it was relevant. I've never heard a word from them. And not, it's not surprising, Chris. And, uh, and it, again, Bart was the one guy that was trying to work it from the inside. Was uh, I know Andrew McGuire, your friend and mine, always thought he was an honest guy trying to help and get to the bottom of it. Um, the CFTC said they found nothing 
While over the same time period, the Department of Justice found hundreds of thousands of instances, as you said, um, it's not surprising. And I always kind of felt because Bart had to know he was terminally ill when he was interviewed by you because it was not. Actually, Craig, my understanding is that that is not the case. Oh, really? I always thought it was kind of like a deathbed confession. Almost. I understand a lot of people thought that and perhaps a good time. Just if you go to when I originally posted the interview, there's there's two versions of it. One doesn't have a yellow thumbnail. If you see the original version, there's a comment that appears to be from his wife saying that that was not the case and he did okay. not know. Uh, I have heard from her and I'll leave that private. But my I, I do believe that he did not know at that time. OK. Well, it's fascinating. I would encourage everybody to go to Arcadia Economics and their YouTube channel and watch that from what, two years ago, maybe, Chris. How long ago was that? That would have been March of 2019, okay. so almost two yeah. years now. All right. And then finally, in our in our final minutes, uh, Chris, I would also encourage everybody, if, if you're new to the sector, if um, <clears throat> whether, you know, in the last couple of weeks or the last couple of years, and again, you saw what happened uh, two weeks ago where, you know, there's no silver to be found anywhere. And that which you can find is like $40 an ounce. But yet the price on the COMEX actually falls 10 <laughs> percent. And you thought, well, that's interesting. Uh, one of the, uh, I guess, defining pieces of literature that you can read is Chris's book, uh, The Big Silver Short. And as you were, Chris, you did that a couple of years ago. But I would give that a big thumbs up, if anything, because there's at least one chapter in there that's definitely a must read. <laughs> chapter three is a good one. It's this guy, Craig, from TF Metals. And I mean, the real purpose of the book was that, you know, if someone's just hearing about all this now and wanted, I mean, fortunately, guys like uh -huh. you, Craig and Eric, have put the information out there over the years, but at least to try and put it in one place where you heard from you in Chapter 3, David Morgan's in there, Bart Chilton, Andrew McGuire, Ted Butler. I mean, I like to think I could have written a useful book, but, I mean, it just, I loved the way it came out, where you got everyone's perspective who's been following this. And I would just suggest to people, I understand a lot of what's happening is confusing, and it doesn't make sense. It's designed not to make sense. But again, what is more encouraging to me than ever is seeing that it see, it feels to me like the banks went in on a big bluff last Tuesday, but because more people are understanding what's really happening, why these things are happening, they didn't sell their silver. They bought more when it went down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is obviously the key to the whole thing. Where do, where do we find the book, Chris, for people who want to check it out? Well, you can find the print version on Amazon for people who like listening. We did have a, we do have a audio version, which is nice. We didn't get actors to read it, but you can hear me and Craig talk about it. And Craig, I love how you laid this stuff out years in advance. That was really my, one of the second part, you know, to have people hear guys like you saying in advance, and you can hear that on audio, all at ArcadiaEconomics.com. There's a tab for the book at the top, and Hopefully that's helpful for people in this important time. Well, and hopefully uh, you've helped today make it clear for folks um, because it's not the acquisition of the SLV shares, though I, I guess in a sense helps. 
um, what you've got to get is physical metal. If you're going to make any change at all, we've got to deleverage the system. We've got to take the metal out of the bank's hands. So you've got to get your hands on your own physical metal. And though you might have to wait for it at this point because of the action that, you know, that everybody's taken the last couple of weeks, just keep it going. Your best source for physical metal is SprotMoney.com. You go there, there's always great deals. There's always great inventory of the most popular bullion bars and coins. And you can check it all out at SprotMoney.com. If you want to talk to a real person, pick up the phone, give us a call. 888-861-0775. Chris, this has been tremendous. I hope we can do it again soon because I know everybody has benefited from listening. Uh, For now, though, we'll have to wrap it up. And I, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks so much, Craig. Great to be with you as always. And from all of us, it's Brought Money News at SproutMoney.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next Friday.